Welcome to Cross Lane Community Church, where we are committed to bringing people to Jesus. We hope you enjoy this online message. Well, before we get started this morning, I just want to take a moment and thank those of you who were here on Thursday night. We, we really could not be more pleased with what happened on Thursday night. The Aspen Group uh, representatives were here, and uh, we had, by our count, right around 65 people to come and help us to consider the different um, many ministries that go on in this church and what they look like today, what they will look like years from now, what that means in terms of our facilities. And um, you got a chance, if you were here, to, to hear from and meet a guy named Tim Seifker, who is our project manager with the Aspen Group. Uh, he had brought um, some people with him. One is a, a representative from a company called Fishhook that is going to help us in this process. And... Um, I just really like these people. They're, they're good people. They're very helpful. They've already guided us and given us some really good information and help. And, um, the, you know, all across this country this morning, there are Christians who woke up, looked outside, saw that it was raining, and decided, I'm not going to church today. You don't let a little bit of rain or a little bit of wind or a little bit of cold keep you from church, and I love that about you guys. And Thursday night was no exception. It was not really the best of weather to be out in, but you came anyway, and I uh, just want to say thank you. That was, that was big for us Thursday night, what happened, and, and uh, you guys came through, so thank you very much for that. We start a new series today called This Is Faith. We're going to spend nine weeks considering faith on different levels and in different ways I am very, very excited about some of the things we're going to talk about and learn. Um, today is kind of an introductory thing, but don't let that fool you. There's still great stuff in what we're going to talk about today. And I think you will leave here today thinking to yourself, you know what, I had not thought of it like that before. I think that what we're going to talk about today is going to um, strengthen your faith. It's going to help you to see what faith is and what it isn't and, ha and how it plays out in our life and what um, faith really is about as we go through things. Dale in his prayer was talking about the things that have happened in other parts of the country and, and some of the bad stuff going on around the world. And, and um, we're going to talk about some of that, how that fits into our faith, how we respond to those kind of things. Uh, really, really excited about where we're going for the next uh, several weeks. What is faith? How does it work? And what can we expect from God? What is the difference between faith and hope? Those are some of the things that we're going to talk about coming up today we're talking about the foundations of our faith once in a while you'll find people in our culture who will say things like this i used to be a christian i used to go to church every sunday i used to never miss and then um you know i don't believe that anymore i, I used to believe that but but i don't believe that anymore um in our terminology in the church we would use the expression that those people have fallen away from faith one of the things that i'm excited about with this series is that you may think that you've got a firmly grounded faith, and maybe you do. I hope you do. But one of the problems that we run into is whenever we, we come across someone who is like the person I'm going to describe today or like the people I'm going to describe today, we don't know what to say to them. We don't know how to help them. We don't know how to turn their hearts back to the things that are most important. We hear their story, and we go, man, I mean— you know what, you, you, you might be right. Maybe we should all just leave our, I mean, it's, we know that that's not the answer to leave our faith. We know that. But when we hear people going through bad things, or we hear people saying, you know, I used to believe, but this happened, or I encountered this, and now I don't believe anymore, sometimes I think it's enough to make us go, well, you know what, what does that mean for me? And we may really want to help somebody and oftentimes not even know how. So 
today's message and the ones that follow, uh, even if this doesn't have direct application to you, it has indirect application in that you probably know somebody who's going through stuff like this. And you probably know somebody who thinks some of the things we're going to talk about today and in the coming weeks, and you may never have really known how to help them. I think at the end of today, you'll know how to help them. We're talking about these people that we, we would say they have fallen away from faith. They used to be church people. They used to be Christians who believed the same things that we believe. But somewhere along the way, they've become uh, hardened or they've come to the conclusion, uh, you know, I used to be, but I'm not a Christian anymore. And, and the people who would say that basically fall into one of two categories. They're either people who have made some bad moral decisions, and, and they've, they've made some choices, and those choices haven't gone all that great, or they are people who have some kind of tragedy or circumstance in their life, and they're looking at that tragedy or circumstance, and they're holding it up against Jesus, and, and um, they're saying, you know, I, the, the God that I believed in in Scripture, the one that, that I've been told about my whole life, I'm not sure he's real. Maybe, maybe that even describes you today. Maybe you've come today and you don't want anybody to know, but you might be teetering on the edge of, man, I don't even know why I'm doing this anymore. I don't know why. I'm not even sure I believe half the stuff Brett's talking about. I don't, you know, I, I know I'm here and I know these people would miss me if I was gone, but if I'm totally honest, there's a part of my faith that's starting to waver a little bit. You're doing all the Christian things. You're doing all the right stuff. And along the way, you are tempted to do something that is outside maybe God's moral standard for your life, a, a relationship, a, a financial uh, something that you might get into, or you're tempted to develop or get into some lifestyle or habit, and, uh, and you think, you know, why wouldn't I do something like that? And so time goes by, and more time goes by, and you begin to live with this tension between I know what I should do, and, but I can't, or I, I know what I ought to do, but I don't want to do that. We have that tension and it develops, and over time, if we don't resolve that tension by changing what we're doing, then what we do is we resolve the tension by changing what we believe. Does that make sense? We, we have this, this tension in our life. We want, we, we want to do certain things, or we want to decide certain things. And so there's this tension that develops because some of that stuff slams right up against the walls of our faith. And we say to ourselves, you know what? Something's got to give here. I, don't, I really want to do this thing so I don't want to change my behavior. I'm just going to change what I believe. And all of us have a tendency to do this. Instead of giving up a habit or a relationship or some kind of sordid financial gain that we go through, there's a tendency for us to adjust our belief system so that it meshes with the behaviors in our life. Because oftentimes it's a whole lot easier to adjust beliefs than it is behaviors. And so what often changes for us first is our morality. And people make moral decisions, and over time, they adjust their belief system to encompass or to accommodate their, their moral choices. And then eventually what happens when we do that is we come to the conclusion, you know what, I'm not sure I'm a Christian anymore. I don't know that I believe in God the way I used to believe in God anymore. I don't know that, that all this is going to be as important to me. I don't know that I'm in the faith, is what we would call it. That I don't think that I'm in the faith anymore. And what we would say as insiders, seeing those who've, who've, who don't come or who don't associate with us or who don't call on the name of Jesus anymore, we would say those people have fallen away from the faith. But let's think about the person who goes through that scenario for a minute. What has happened is that their faith was grounded in circumstance. Their faith was grounded in experience. And as long as their experience and as long as their circumstances are good, then their faith is good and their faith is strong and everything's okay. 
But when all of a sudden Christianity begins to interfere with experience and when it begins to interfere with, with our feelings and how things are going for us on the inside, when it begins to interfere with our accomplishments, when it begins to interfere with our self-esteem and our self-image and we start to think, you know, maybe I'm not all that good a person, it's easy to see when someone like that walks away from the faith that what they've done is they've grounded their whole faith and experience and what we would say is, they probably weren't all that firmly rooted to begin with. And it sounds like I'm talking down about them. It sounds like I'm talking them down and putting them down. I'm not. What I'm saying is it's, it's very easy for us to get to that place. In fact, if we're totally honest, there's a lot of us in the room this morning that are probably in that kind of shape, that our roots really aren't all that deep because our roots are put into the wrong thing. Our roots are put into our circumstances. Our roots are put into our experiences and our feelings. And if those things aren't going good, then all of a sudden our faith gets rocked. If when something bad happens to you, the first thing that happens is your faith starts to get shaky, what you know about you is my roots aren't very deep. And it doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you someone that ought not come to church. It doesn't mean any of that at all. It just means that we've got to learn what to ground ourselves to and what not to ground ourselves to. The conclusion would be today, for some, I used to be a Christian, but I'm not sure I believe that anymore. And if you're here today and you were real honest, then it's difficult to be honest about uh, something like this. And if your summary is, Brett, you're right, I used to believe all those things. And to be real honest, what changed first was not my belief system. What changed first was, was my behavior. And if what I just said would describe you, then what I want you to understand is what what you're saying, what you're saying is, I will ultimately find truth by following my desires. Think about that. I will ultimately find truth by following my desires. You may not have thought about it that way, but that's ultimately what you're saying. I will follow my desires, and they are going to lead me to truth. Because what, after all, what I want and how I behave and, and, and the, the choices I want to make, that's the most important thing, and I believe that, that I'm going to find truth there. The problem with that is your desires are going to change day by day, week by week, phase by phase of your life. The things that are important to you today weren't important to you uh, in another phase of your life. The things that are important now won't be as important in other phases of your life. I tell people when they get ready to come to Christ, I say, look, some of your behaviors are going to change because you're going to mature, you're going to grow, and as you spend time with Jesus, some of the things that you do now that you think are okay as you spend time with him, a year from now, five years from now, different phase, different season, you're going to say to yourself, you know what, that's childish, that's, I'm putting that away, that's not something I want to be associated with. Desires are not a good test for truth. And if that is you, then admit this this morning, your roots are shallow, and that if, 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 if that's all it takes for you to abandon your faith is just a, a couple of bad things to go wrong in your life, then, then the roots aren't very deep. Some people say, you know, I left the faith, and if you ask them, well, why did you leave the faith? Here's what you don't hear from people. Here, here's what you never hear, really, whenever someone says, well, I'm not, I don't go to church anymore, or I don't believe in God anymore, I, I don't, you know, I don't have the faith that I used to have. If you ever hear somebody talk that way, here's what you don't hear them say. You don't hear them say, I don't go to church anymore because I sat down with an in-depth study and looked at all the historical documents and really started to examine top to bottom every claim of Christianity, and at the end of it, I decided that it wasn't true. That's not what you hear. What you hear is something more along the lines of, well, I had this experience, or I had this thing happen, or I went through this circumstance, or the, I, you know, I just have this 
feeling. I'm not sure I, I um, that just doesn't make sense to me. And, and so um, it's not that they studied and studied and studied and came to the conclusion, you know what, that's all hogwash. I'm not going to buy into that. It's more about, you know, this is where I'm at. This is what's going on around me. And I'm having a hard time um, matching these two things up. And it's just easier for me to change what I believe than it is for me to change what I'm doing. The other category of people are people who used to be a Christian, used to walk with God, but something happened, and it didn't fit within the framework of their Christian faith. And, and what you would hear them say is, how could a loving, all-powerful God let something like that happen? In fact, there are people today, I'm sure, who aren't going to church anymore as a direct result of what happened in Haiti two weeks ago. There are probably people who have given up on their faith because of what happened in Haiti. And they've said, you know what, if there is a God, why would a God who's all-loving and all-powerful allow something like that to happen? If that's what God is, if that's who God is, you can keep him. I'm not going to church anymore. And I guarantee you there are people lying in their beds right now who used to go to church who believe that, who've said, you know what, Haiti's the last straw for me. Or, 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 you know, a plane crash or an automobile accident or, or, or any number of things. I mean, it, you wouldn't be hard-pressed to find people who would say, how could a loving God let those kind of things happen? And if that is true, then, then basically what has to happen is this. When something bad happens, people have to either say, that really didn't just happen, or they say, well, there's really not a, a, a God that would let that happen. So they say, but I know it happened. So it must mean that, that, there, that this all-loving God that I've been told about really isn't there. And what you hear him say is, yeah, I used to be a Christian, but then this happened or that happened. We prayed and prayed. Supposedly there's a God out there somewhere that cares about me, but he ignored my prayers, and he didn't do what I wanted him to do. And I asked very politely, and I, I even asked the way, Brett, you said we should pray a couple weeks ago. I went through the formula. I did the whole deal. And he's not there, or at least if he is there, He's not the good God I've been led to believe that he is, and he certainly doesn't seem to care about me. And this person leaves the faith. And again, not because they did a study and decided at the end of the study, Jesus isn't real, Jesus isn't who he said he was, and, and you know he can't be trusted. That's not why they leave. They leave because they get to a place where they say, you know what, the circumstances don't match up with what I believe about God. And I'm looking at my circumstances, and it doesn't make sense to me. And again, we find that that person's roots are no deeper than their experience, their feelings, or their circumstances. And I think that many of us, if the truth were known, our faith a lot of times only goes as deep as our circumstances or our feelings. And we find ourselves saying, God, if you're there, why don't you love me the way I I need to be loved? And if you're there, why don't you do for me what I need you to do? Why won't you take care of this? Why won't you fix this? Why are you letting this happen? God, this doesn't make any sense to me. There's no way. You ever had those conversations with God? God, there's no way you could get glory from this. And every time something doesn't go our way, and every time that we don't get something out of Christianity, there is a tendency on our part to begin to question God and to start asking, you know, God, you know, what's up with this? And it doesn't take much temptation or tragedy or pressure to move us away and all of us have that kind of potential i think to eventually just walk away from the faith because 
we've looked around at our circumstances and we've said this is what matters most. And I used to be a Christian and I used to believe that, but I don't believe that anymore. Now the reason circumstantial faith is so toxic and dangerous, there's really two reasons that I want to consider this morning. The first one is this. When your faith rests in your circumstances, what you're saying is that my faith rests in my ability to interpret my circumstances. Now just think about that for a minute. If you're pinning your whole faith on what happens around you, what you're saying is my faith depends on my ability to interpret everything that's going on around me and all of my circumstances. In other words, my faith rests in my ability to interpret events accurately. And as long as I'm able to interpret the events of my life accurately, my faith is going to stand. The problem is we are horrible interpreters of the events that take place around us. We're not real good at it. What looks good to us is bad to God oftentimes. What looks good to God is bad to us. If you want me to illustrate that for you, I would just ask you to consider a six-year-old little boy who is riding in the car with his dad on his way to the dentist. And and you ask the little boy, does your daddy love you? And he's liable to say, no, because he's taken me to the dentist. But if you were to stop the car and say, Dad, do you love your little boy? And he would say, absolutely. Well, is there anything that you can tell me to prove that you love your little boy? Yeah, right now, I'm taking him to the dentist to make sure that his teeth are in good shape so that they don't fall out. And the little boy sees it. He doesn't understand. His, to him, circumstances are horrible. Why would my dad take me to a place like that? And the dad's thinking to himself, why wouldn't I take him if I love him the way I do? Absolutely. I want him to go to the dentist and get taken care of. See, it's the same circumstance. But we interpret our circumstances differently. We interpret the events of our life differently. And if if figuring out how deep our faith is is all dependent on how we interpret our circumstances, you can understand how when, when the ground gets a little shaky, then our faith gets a little shaky. And if your faith is no deeper than your ability to interpret events then you let's just face it you're going to have a fragile faith because things are going to happen the wind's going to come and blow and it's going to get nasty and your faith is going to be out there blowing in the wind like a flag sometimes our tendency is to measure the faithfulness and sometimes the very existence of god based on our summation of circumstances Most of us who have been Christians for a really long time have gone through something where we have been left to say, God, what are you doing? I'm not really sure that I understand what's going on right now. And then a month goes by or six months goes by or two years goes by, and you look back on that bad thing, whatever it is, and you say to yourself, God, I want to thank you for that because at the time it didn't really look like a real good thing. I mean, when he walked out on me, it didn't, when he left me, it didn't look like a good thing. But I I look back and I see that you were in that somehow. When I lost my job, it didn't make sense to me. But now as I'm looking back, I see how you've orchestrated some things and it's starting to be a little clearer to me now. It makes a little more sense to me now. And so I can even say now what I couldn't say then, which is praise God that that happened to me. When you go through it at the time, you think, oh, No way can I give God praise for something like that. 
But six months goes by, two years, ten years goes by. You look back on it and you can say sometimes, man, I'm so glad that that happened. I'm so glad I went through that. Don't ever base the existence or the faithfulness of God on your ability to interpret circumstances. Another problem is this. You and I have a very short frame of reference when it comes to time. We pray on Thursday, God, we need this to happen. And if it hadn't happened on Sunday, we're ticked off at God. Come on, God, we got to get down to business. I need this to happen. I'm going to give you three days. Surely someone as all-powerful as you can make this happen in three days. Our frame of reference is so short. And then you read Scripture, and and there's Joseph. this, This guy prays for 15 years, doesn't hear anything from God. 15 years. Just think about what's happened in your life in the last 15 years, and think about praying for the same thing for 15 years. And maybe some of you are doing that right now. For 15 years, he saw no circumstantial evidence that God was alive or at work in his life really at all. Because things didn't go real good for Joseph. And if we'd shown up in that phase of Joseph's life and we'd said, Hey, Joseph, what is your faith based on? Why do you continue to believe in God? He couldn't have pointed us to really one thing to be able to say, My faith is strong because that happened. I mean, nothing was going good for Joseph. Then there's Moses. This poor guy, 40 years he's wandering around in the desert. And he's saying, you know, I thought surely God said that I was going to deliver my people from Egypt. And for 40 years, seemingly, uh, God did nothing. And if we were to walk up to Moses in the middle of the desert, out there wandering around Midian somewhere, and said, hey, you know, what circumstantial evidence can you point to that would show me that, that God exists and that God's on your side? I don't know that there's a whole lot that Moses could have pointed to that you'd have said, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And then there's us. Okay, Lord, by the end of the summer, this has got to happen. By the end of the term, by the end of the week, I need you to come through for me. Our frame of reference is so short. That's why it's imperative that we refuse to evaluate God based on the amount of time something takes or how long we... We've been praying for something. It's so short because it leaves out the consideration of eternity. That's our problem. We don't see things in the scope of eternity. We don't even really see things in the scope of a lifetime. We see things in the scope of a phase or a season in our life. Let me explain that to you. It's it's almost impossible for us to to evaluate the significance of an event in the context of our whole lifetime. Because we, we pray prayers like this, Lord, I'm a teenager, do something. You know, Lord, I'm already 16. Or I'm 30 and I'm not married yet. Or I'm, you know, I'm 30 and I don't have kids or whatever it is. You know, it's all about a season for us. We, we don't consider things long term. We don't consider things in the scope even of our lifetime, much less in the scope of eternity. It's almost impossible for us to evaluate something within the context of our lifetime. And so God would say this morning, please don't evaluate me on the basis of your ability to evaluate circumstances. And please don't think that 
you think like me or know what I know or able to do the things I'm able to do. You don't have any idea what's going on behind the scenes. You've got no idea how what happens over here affects what happens over here. You don't even know these two sets of people. But somehow these things are linked, and I'm at work, and I'm doing something. And it may not happen this week, and it may not even happen at the end of the summer. But so many years from now, or, or you know, so many decades or centuries from now, something else is going to happen, and I'm going to get glory as a result of it, and you may never even know. We don't even really have to go back to Bible times to, to think about this. We can go back a couple of centuries and talk about guys like Martin Luther and some of his friends, guys who sacrificed their lives, some of them, to see to it that we have a Bible that we can read in our language. That was just a few hundred years ago. And if you had shown up in the midst of those times and asked some of those people, can you show me the evidence and the circumstances around you that would lead me to believe that God is at work, they would say, no, I can't because some of them died. Some of them never saw God come through and save them and bring them to light and, and make sure that their whole world was hunky-dory. Some of these people died. But their faith was grounded in something more than circumstance. And at some point, your faith and mine has got to be grounded in more than that too and planted deep into the foundation that is what God originally intended for us to have it grounded in. And if we don't mark it down, something's going to happen. There's going to be a circumstance. There's going to be an experience that you have, and it's not going to go well, and it's not going to mesh well with your faith, and your faith is going to be shown to be really rooted in very shallow ground. So the question this morning is, what is a proper foundation for faith? If it's not circumstance, if it's not how we feel, and if it's not in our ability to interpret things, I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 4 real quick. Hebrews chapter 4. Before we get started, it's important to put this passage into context, and I'll do that while you're turning. It's especially true with the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews was written by, we're not really sure who it was written by. When I was in Bible college, I took this class under non-Pauline epistles, which means that my Bible college does not believe that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, or they didn't at the time. I, they, that may have changed, I'm not sure. Um, a lot of scholars believe that Paul is the one who wrote the book of Hebrews. I've heard some crazy ideas about who wrote the book, but it is not signed, and there's theories on that. One of the theories is... Um, they, they were afraid that if, um, if had the author had been made known that uh, the book wouldn't have had the thrust that they wanted it to have. There's a lot of theories on it, but we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but we know why the book of Hebrews was written. Here's the problem. You had a bunch of Jews who had converted to Christianity. They'd grown up in Judaism. They knew the law, the Old Testament. They were scholars. They knew all about it. They were coming to Christ. And as they came to Christ, they began to have these little pockets of Christians who used to be Jews. But what happened over time is that those people, these new uh, believers in Jesus, started to be ostracized by the other Jews in the community. They wouldn't buy uh, products from their shops. They wouldn't um, arrange for marriages with, with their kids. Um, you know, you weren't invited to weddings. You weren't invited to social gatherings. You really weren't welcome in the synagogue. You, you, you were kind of an outcast. You, you weren't included anymore. There was a, a great price that was paid by these people who came to Christ in these communities because they got ostracized. Nobody wanted to have anything to do with them. And they paid the price financially and socially, and, and people looked at them funny, and, and it just was, it wasn't 
wasn't going good for them. The circumstances weren't all that great. Not only that, but when they came, became Christians, they were told that Jesus was coming back. They thought that meant maybe at the end of the summer or maybe in the fall or certainly in their lifetime. They never dreamed that Jesus wouldn't come back in their lifetime. They're, they've got this expectation that this is going to happen soon, right away, right now. And it's not happening. And, and so they start thinking to themselves, you know what, I'm starting to look like an idiot here, and maybe we've made a mistake. Maybe Christianity isn't everything that we thought that it was. And, and maybe we should go back to Judaism, because while Judaism didn't solve all of our faith problems and didn't really meet all of our religious needs, at least we had some people that we could belong to and we had community, and at least we didn't look like total idiots. And some of these Jewish Christians were going back to Judaism and they were abandoning their faith. And so the writer of Hebrews is writing to him and he says, you know, I'm writing to recapture and reaffirm your faith. I'm writing to, to, um, to help you to see what this is about and what this isn't about. He takes a very unique approach and it's an approach that defines for us what the foundation of faith should be. It begins with him explaining the superiority of Jesus. The superior, superiority of Jesus over Moses, over Abraham, over anything else that they'd ever known, that Jesus was the most important thing. And so all he talks about is Jesus, 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 and how Jesus sits at the right hand of God, how Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins, became the once for all perfect, unblemished offering for our sins. And he's talking about Jesus as who he is. And then he comes to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, and this is what we read. Therefore, and that is a big therefore because that's exactly, he's summing up everything that he said about Jesus to this point. Everything I've said about Jesus so far, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, and that is a summary of all that Jesus did in his life, and it's culminated with him rising from the dead and sitting at the right hand of the Father. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Now, wait a minute. Why do you want us to hold firmly to the faith that we profess? Because it doesn't look like God is doing anything. That's what these people would say. I mean, we're looking around. It doesn't look like God's doing anything. He's not answering our prayers, and worse off, we're worse off now than we, we were before. This isn't going good. And he says, now, now this, is, this is why I want you to hold firmly to your faith, not because of your circumstances, but because of who Jesus is. The foundation of your faith, he would say, is not in your ability to, to evaluate circumstances. It's, it's found, your foundation of faith is in the person of Jesus Christ. For you and me, those are our roots. If, if we're not rooted in who Jesus is, then when circumstances come along and they aren't great circumstances, we're going to fall away from the faith. Our faith is going to take a hit because we are rooted in the wrong thing. The reason we praise, the reason you're here today, the reason we pray, the reason we worship, it's not because things go our way and it's not because we believe in history a man showed up and claimed to be the son of God, even though those claims looked like they were kind of crazy, but he proved it to us. It's, it's not... It's, even though the claim seemed outlandish, we believe that he gave ample evidence of who he was. That when he said he was the Son of God, we believe that he was the Son of God. We believe there's evidence to believe that he was the Son of God. And we follow Jesus because he came to earth and showed us. And we, we follow Jesus because he lived among us, lived a perfect life, died and rose, and sits now at the right hand of God. 
Not because husbands always come back when they leave their wives. Okay, not because kids leave home and then come back. Not because uh, people are always healed. I'm going to say this, and this is going to sound strange, but those things really are irrelevant to faith. The reason we trust Christ is because he was a real person who really lived in history, who died on the cross, rose from the dead, and went eternally to be seated at the right hand of God. That is the foundation of our faith. Not our circumstances. Not that everything's going okay. Not look at what God did for me, therefore I believe. God never intended for you to put your faith in your circumstances or the consistency with which he answers your prayers. The interesting thing about the book of Hebrews is that he never even really tries to explain the circumstances of the Hebrew people, the people in the book of Hebrews. He, he never, he, not, not in great depth and not with any um, real detail. He says, hold firmly to the faith for one reason, because of Jesus. You see, at the cross, Jesus settled once and for all his love and his faithfulness for you and me. At the cross, we lost the right to doubt God. At the cross, we lost the right to question the goodness and faithfulness of God. At the tomb, we lost the right to question the power of God. Because an empty cross and an empty tomb settles for us once and for all that there is a God, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he is worthy to be followed. That's what we ground our faith in. And when it makes sense, we praise God. And when it doesn't make sense, we praise God. And when things are going our way, we praise God. And when they aren't going our way, we praise God. We may be like the Hebrews. We may go to our grave and not fully understand everything that's going on in our life. There may be things happening to you right now that you really wish God would explain to you, and they're never going to be explained to you. And you're going to go to your grave thinking, man, what in the, why, what was up with that? We may not see it, we may never, never understand it, we may never be able to explain it, that's irrelevant. It, it says nothing about God's faithfulness to us that we can't explain our circumstances. See, I'm like you. I like hearing the story about the guy who finds out that he had cancer, and his whole church rallies around, and everybody prays, and he goes to the doctor, and they put him under the microscope, and the doctor comes back and says, you know what, there was cancer there a month ago, and I can't see it now. I love that story. I love that story. But my faith is not grounded in that story. It can't be. Because too often what we hear is, no, the cancer is still there. No, it's, it, it's, it's gotten bigger. It's, it's, it's gotten worse. It's not gone away. It's gotten worse. I love the stories about marriages that are burnt beyond recognition, and you think, man, there's no way. And somehow... They find a way, and God is able to heal things up, and what, what looks like it's teetering on the edge of disaster is, is salvaged somehow, and you, you, you just go, man, God, that's awesome. But you can't tie faith to that because I can point to just as many marriages of really good people that don't make it, that, that, that it stays burnt beyond all recognition, and, and people get burnt who come close to it. But you know what? It's... No more a reflection of the goodness and greatness of God than the people who don't have 
those stories to tell. When you, when you see something good happen, it's no more a testament to the greatness and goodness of God than, than the person who's going through a hard time right now who doesn't have that story. What, what are you going to say? The, the person that's going through something bad, God doesn't care about them? God, God's not in that? You know who challenges me? <laughs> you know what really takes my breath away and makes me stand back and go, man, I thought I had faith. It's people who go through stuff and you think, how are they even able to smile? How are they even able to put one foot in front of the other and take the next step? It's people who've prayed for the prodigal to come back for 15 years and they still don't come back. It's people who go to the doctor and find out you've got six months and that person is in church the next Sunday with a smile on their face and they're serving and they don't hang their head and they I, I marvel at those kind of people. It's people who, who lose their job and don't get bitter, but they just keep putting one foot in front of the other in faith, knowing that God's got them and God's with them and God's doing something. It's when these people go through these things that their faith is as strong as it is when they claimed it on the very first day. When I'm in the presence of those kind of stories and I see that kind of faith, I know I'm seeing the real deal. I like seeing the real deal. That's the kind of person I want to be. That's the kind of person I want Cross Lane to be. Because you see, that's mature faith. And as we become mature believers, and as we ground our faith in something deeper than our circumstance, other people see that. And so when we start talking to them about Jesus, they're listening. Because they know what we've been through. They know what we've gone through. And they're saying to themselves, wait a minute, if you can still say all that after everything you've been through, I'm willing to listen to you. Mark it down. Circumstances are going to come, and if we are not grounded in the right stuff, it is going to challenge our faith to no end. It'll blow some of us away. What is your faith grounded in? Are you one of those people that every time something bad happens, you say, oh, God, where, you know, where are you? What's happening? What's going on? I, I hope that today is a little bit of a wake-up call, and I hope that you leave here kind of asking yourself, okay, have I kind of grounded my faith in things that are just happening around me, and is my faith, are the roots on my faith fairly shallow, or if the wind really started to blow, and if something really bad started to happen, am, am I grounded in the right stuff? Where is your trust? I think God would say, do you only trust me when things go your way, or are you going to move beyond that? And are you going to focus your attention and your passion on the person of Jesus Christ? This is where we're going next week. I'm going to read this scripture to you, then we'll close. This is what we're going to look at next week. It's Hebrews chapter 12, same book. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men. And why consider him? So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The only way for you to have a faith that endures the realities of life is for it to be grounded in the person of Jesus Christ and not in the circumstances of life. So today as you leave, that's what you're asking yourself. Am I rooted in my circumstances or am I rooted in the person of Jesus? Because Jesus doesn't fail. Your circumstances are going to let you down. So circumstances for some of you today are awesome. They're great. 
got every reason in the world to praise God. Some of you got, you know, if it's just based on circumstances, got no reason to praise God. Can't be based on that. That's shallow faith. We, we want more than that. We want to be able to bring people to Jesus. We want to mature in our faith. We got a root to the right thing. That's Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, as we work through this series, I pray that you would increase our faith. I pray that you would help us to see where our faith can be strengthened and be stronger. And I pray that you would show us how we can put down deep, strong, hard roots. So many of us in the room, Lord, if we were totally honest, our faith is fairly fragile. And it doesn't make us bad people. It doesn't mean you don't love us. It just means we've got to grow up. It means that we, we've, we've anchored to the wrong thing and now we've got to shift. We've got to do, we've got to look at it differently. We have to rearrange some things. And, and Father, for most of us, that is just taking our eyes off our circumstances and fixing our eyes on Jesus. Father, he, he, he won every battle. He, won, he earned every right when he went to that cross and died and when he rose again. We, we lay down all uh, rights to asking you about your power. We lay down all rights about asking you to explain anything to us. You are God. And so this morning, we just humbly come to you and we say, whatever, whatever's going on in our life, God, you're God. And if it takes 15 years or even if it takes a lifetime and you don't ever give me an explanation, that'll be okay. Because my eyes aren't fixed on my circumstances. My eyes are fixed on Jesus. So, Father, now we give ourselves to you and we ask you to make us better, stronger, more full of faith. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.